Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. Uh, We are going to jump right in. We're in the midst of a series on the armor of God right now. Uh, So we are in week three of this series. Uh, So far, we have gone through the belt of truth uh, in the first week, and we talked about how the belt of truth is the central piece of the armor. This is where everything else in the entire suit of armor comes together. It holds up the rest of the armor. It's the belt of truth, and this is why in our culture today, in our world today, truth is what is coming under attack. So we talked about that a little bit last week, too. We'll talk about it a little more today. Uh, Last week, we talked more about the breastplate of righteousness, uh, which is this idea of protecting the heart. Solomon said, above everything else, above all else, guard your heart. And we looked at what it means to guard your heart with righteousness. And today, we're going to move on to the next piece in the suit of armor. And I believe that this is the single most misunderstood piece within the suit of armor, the armor of God. We find it in Ephesians uh, chapter 6. And we're just going to begin back in verse 10. Paul is writing and he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and, having done, and after having, you have done everything, to stand. Verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace." Uh, And and that's what we're talking about today, is your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, as I'm reading this, the first thing that stands out is it's kind of conflicting already. Because Paul is talking about fighting a battle, a, a legitimate spiritual battle, and he instructs believers to go into this battle, to fight this battle, to wage war in this battle, but to literally, the Bible says, to do so with our feet bound with the gospel of peace. Now, if you step back and you consider it for a moment, uh, these two, uh, they they don't go together, uh, peace and war. And in fact, if you look up the definition of peace in the Merriam-Webster thesaurus, the definition is a state of being without war. They're completely opposite. If you look up the antonym, it simply says war. Peace and war uh, are not logically compatible. Uh, They are at opposite ends of the spectrum. They're antithetical from one another because it's one or the other. Yet Paul instructs us not to run from the battle, but, but to engage in a battle while wearing a garment of peace. So to begin with this morning, uh, what we need to do is understand what Paul means by this gospel of peace. So the Greek word that he uses for gospel is euanglion, which is the same word used more than a hundred times throughout the New Testament. Uh, And uh, in most cases, it's translated into the word gospel. Sometimes it's translated into the literal meaning of the word good news or good message. Uh, For instance, in Matthew 11, 
John the Baptist sends word to Jesus and says, are you the one that we're looking for, that we've been waiting for? Are you that Messiah, or are we waiting for someone else? And Jesus sends back this reply, beginning in verse 4. He says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Right here, it's good news. It's the same word. The gospel is proclaimed to the poor. It's the exact same word in the Greek language. I'm not sure how they decide which way to translate it, whether to call it the gospel or to call it the good news, but it's just the literal meaning of gospel is good news or good message. So if we bring this back to the armor of God, Paul is saying to put on sandals or to literally bind your feet with the good news or the good message of peace. Uh, now this phrase, it, it's very commonly misunderstood. Uh, and when we're talking about the context of a battle, any misunderstanding can be very costly. Uh, so probably the most common misinterpretation of this passage uh, is the idea that our place in the battle is one of peacekeeping or peacemaking. Uh, but that's not actually what Paul is saying here uh, when he refers to the gospel of peace. He's not saying do everything within your power in this battle to keep the peace. And I'm not saying that keeping the peace is a bad thing. Uh, Paul said among believers, this should be your top priority, keep the peace among believers. But in the context of the armor of God, Paul isn't talking about keeping peace among believers Paul is talking about a spiritual battle against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So the problem with believing that, that binding our feet with the message of peace, uh, that believing that that means being a peacemaker, uh, is that from childhood we are taught that, that the easiest way to keep the peace is to do what? To keep your mouth shut, right? That's the easiest way to keep the peace. If our kids are fighting, we tell them, be quiet. Give us some peace. This is how we find peace. We're quiet. And so often what we do is we equate peacemaking or peacekeeping with remaining silent. But remember what's under attack here in our culture and even within the, the, the book of Ephesians. What's under attack is truth. Truth is under attack. And our culture is making up its own version of truth and shoving it down your throat. And if we misunderstand what Paul is referring to by the gospel of peace, then we can believe that, that biblically our place is to remain silent. And in doing so, keep the peace. But we are not actually called to remain silent. In fact, if you back up in the book of Ephesians, Paul writes in the very same letter, speak the truth in love. Don't remain silent when truth is being attacked, but speak the truth and do it in love. Now church, this is what Jesus was so good at. And it's something that we mostly very much struggle with. Uh, Jesus, he, he never stuck his nose up at the center. Uh, he never made them feel condemned or shamed but he also never looked the way or compromised when it came to right versus wrong or truth versus deceit or sin versus righteousness. And I think John chapter 8 gives us this incredible image of that because we find the story of the woman caught in adultery and she's brought before Jesus and the, the Pharisees say, teacher, the law says to stone her. She was caught in adultery and what will you do? 
And remember, Jesus says uh, that him who was without sin cast the first stone, and one by one they begin to leave. Now what happens next, I want to read in verse 10. It says, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she says. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Now, what we're talking about is speaking the truth in love. And what we find in Jesus' response is we find truth and we find love. We find love because he says, I will defend you. I'll stand up for you. I won't condemn you. But we also find that he doesn't compromise on truth. Jesus says, what you're doing is not right. You need to leave your life of sin. He calls sin, sin. Now, Jesus was not out looking for confrontation, but he also didn't go silent when he saw sin. He didn't say, well, what's right for some people isn't right for others. What works for some people doesn't work for others. No, he, he confronted the sin in love. Now, I, I don't want you to misinterpret my message today. I am not telling you to go out seeking confrontation. So, so don't think that I'm, I'm sending you out to seek confrontation or trouble. But this is about recognizing that you, if you are a believer, are a voice of truth in a world where truth is under attack. Do you recognize that truth is under attack? Uh, there are children's books on choosing your gender. Children's books on choosing your pronoun. Children's books on choosing your sexuality. And we are raising a generation in the name of choose your truth. Choose your truth. And church, you think our world is messed up now. Wait until a generation is fully grown that has been raised from childhood on the idea of I choose my truth and you cannot disagree with me. Because that's what's taking place in our culture. And the worst thing that we can do as believers is believe that our responsibility biblically is to remain silent in the name of keeping the peace. No, we are called scripturally to speak the truth in love. Now this will typically be met with rejection. Uh, it'll be met with uh, hatred. It'll be met with persecution. Uh, and that's okay. Jesus actually promised it. And in fact, if you look at John chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus said, the world hates me. Why? Because I testify that his works are evil. He said, this is why the world hates me. Because I've revealed to them that they are actually practicing evil works. And he went on later to say in verse 18 of, of chapter 15, to his disciples, he said, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. I have chosen you out of the world, and that is why the world hates you. So I want to kind of bring this to one concise statement. Your place is not to seek confrontation, but your place is also not to go silent when truth is under attack. Because you are a voice of truth. But we have to be the voice of truth in love. So if Paul is not saying here that the gospel of peace is all about being a peacemaker, what is the gospel of peace? And, and the answer is actually, uh, it's very simple. It shouldn't be overthought. 
of the gospel of peace biblically uh, is a reference to the, the fact that we have peace with God because of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And we see an example of this in Acts 10.36. Uh, Luke is writing and he says, uh, You know the message God sent to all the people of Israel announcing the good news or announcing the gospel of peace through Jesus Christ. This is the gospel of peace. It's peace that we have with God through Jesus Christ. When Paul talked about peace, uh, it, it wasn't about our veiled understanding of peace, the, the absence of conflict. Uh, he was re referring to the Jewish understanding of peace, uh, the word shalom, uh, which is talking about completeness and wholeness, both physically and more importantly, uh, spiritually. It's a reference to the peace that we have with God thanks to the work of Jesus Christ. That is what the gospel of peace is referring to. Now, the second thing I want to look at this morning is the shoes. Why does Paul talk about the gospel, uh, the gospel of peace, in terms of shoes? Now, remember, Paul, is, he's imprisoned in Rome as he's writing this, so, so he's using the imagery of a Roman soldier when he writes this passage. And when we look at the shoes or the sandals uh, of a Roman soldier, uh, you might be surprised to, to, to discover that the, the first priority of the shoes was actually stability. And uh, Greg, if you'll put that picture on the screen. Um, we have some artifacts. This isn't one of them, but it shows. Um, one, one of the things that was unique about a Roman soldier's footwear uh, is they would actually take nails and they would pound the nails through the shoe and then they would break off the spikes so that what you have remaining in the bottom of the shoe is the head of the nail. And what this did is it performed as studs, almost like cleats, so that if you're in hand-to-hand -hand combat and you take a blow to your shield, you have studded shoes, studded sandals, so that you're not knocked to the ground. Uh, obviously, if you have no grip on your shoes, you're at a, a distinct disadvantage. It was all about stability. Now remember, this fits in exactly with, with what Paul has been saying because Paul said in Ephesians 6, 11, take your stand against the devil's schemes. And verse 13, that you might be able to stand and after you've done everything else, to stand. In verse 14, he says, stand firm. It's all about stability in the midst of the, this onslaught uh, of spiritual wickedness. Standing firm no matter what comes against you and the gospel of peace, the shoes of the gospel of peace, it's no different. Uh, Paul, earlier in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4, he writes this, verse 14, he says uh, that, that we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there. So what we see is this image of what Paul is trying to prevent, what he doesn't want to happen. He doesn't want us to be tossed around like we're being tossed by the waves, right? So what is it in this passage that is tossing the people about? Go ahead and finish that passage, Greg. By every wind of teaching, what Paul is saying is what is actually tossing people all over the place is there's a new teaching over here, there's a new teaching over there, and they're not standing in the doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's actually knocking them off their feet. So Paul says that we have to bind our feet with the gospel, the true gospel, so that when other teachings come at us and, and someone, you add something to the gospel, well, it's no longer the gospel. You take something away from the gospel, it's no longer the gospel. So Paul says, bind your feet so that you are stable in the true gospel of Jesus Christ. He's talking about teachings and doctrines. 
It's the same issue that he dealt with uh, with the Galatian church. If you remember Galatians chapter 1 is where Paul writes to the church and he says, I'm astonished that you're leaving the gospel so quickly, the gospel of grace, and that you're, you're taking upon uh, yourself other doctrines. What was happening in, happening in the Galatian church uh, is the, the Jewish believers were speaking to the Gentile believers and saying, hey, it's great that you have Jesus Christ, but you still need to follow the law. You still need to follow the law of Moses. I still have 600 and something laws, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ram them down your throat. And Paul responded uh, in Galatians 5.1. He said, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The, the context of this is stand firm in the gospel that I presented to you. They're changing the gospel, but you stand firm in the gospel that you know to be true. Uh, Paul is talking about the gospel message of Jesus Christ, and this is our source of stability. We stand in it. That's the first purpose of the sandals in a Roman suit of armor. And the second purpose is kind of obvious. It's not just stability. It's mobility. So the shoes in the, or in, the, in the armor, it's actually a transitional piece in the armor because now we're not just talking about standing in the midst of battle, but now we're talking about also advancing. Because any time in Scripture that we talk about the feet or the, or the shoes or the sandals, we're implying mobility. We're implying advancing. In Isaiah 52, 7, in a famous verse, it says, uh, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring the good news, who proclaim peace. You see, this is it's the same idea, the gospel of peace. The prophet Nahum said almost the exact same thing in 115. He said, Look there on the mountains, the feet of the one who brings good news, who proclaims peace. It's the gospel of peace. And, and Paul references these passages in Romans 10, and it's all about spreading the gospel all over the world. So, so Paul places the gospel with the feet in the armor so that we will recognize this is a message that, that's mobile. We take it with us everywhere we go. It is the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. And finally in this passage, I want to look at one more uh, word. If we'll go back to Ephesians 6.15. Paul writes, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, if we go back to the original language, there's kind of a liberty that's taken here that, that probably shouldn't be there because uh, the words that comes from uh, are not in the original language. In the original language, it, it kind of just goes from readiness straight to gospel. So if you look at different translations, they fill in the gaps however they think it's supposed to be filled in. Uh, but what we know is the readiness is in regards to the gospel. Now, readiness... Uh, it, it is the, the condition or, or the preparation. It, it is the condition of being prepared and being ready concerning the gospel. Um, so, Hunter, I'm going to ask you if you would stand up for me for a minute. Uh, Hunter got back yesterday uh, from a four-year stint uh, with the United States Marines. So, thank you. Um, you. You can be seated. He just got back in yesterday. He did his time... Um, most of it, or was all of it in Okinawa, at least most of it. Um, and, and I was talking to him this morning because in the military, you are conditioned to be ready in every moment. And when he's over in Japan and everything is going on with China right now, they are conditioned, you be prepared, you be ready 
in any moment, because at any moment you could be called into action. We are prepared for attacks. We are prepared to mobilize. We are prepared. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about in this spiritual battle when he says we have a condition of readiness when it comes to the gospel of peace. We are prepared at any moment to be mobile with the gospel message. And we are also prepared at any moment to, to stand in the onslaught of attacks that come against him. And we see an example of both of these in 2 Timothy. Renee, you can go ahead and come. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, um, we see stability and, and mobility in a single passage. Paul says, preach the word. That's how he starts this out. So we see right away that he's talking about mobility with the gospel message. Preach the word. And then the very next line, and be prepared. Now we're talking about not just uh, mobility, but we're talking about stability, being prepared at any moment for what might come. Because he says, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And this is the reason why. In verse 3, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Paul said we should always be prepared with the gospel message. We should always be prepared to preach the word, whether that's correcting or rebuking or encouraging, whatever it looks like. And the reason for this is because uh, the day is coming and the day has arrived, if you haven't noticed, when people will just turn to whoever tells them what they want to hear. Peter said uh, something similar in 1 Peter 3.15. He said, always be prepared. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope you have. But then he adds this, but do this with gentleness and respect. We are to be stable in a world that turns away from the truth. I want you to understand something, church. The, the, the battle, the, the spiritual battle that, that Paul is talking about, it's a real battle. But we're not innocent bystanders observing the battle go by. We have been actually designed by God and placed here in this moment to make an impact for the kingdom of God on the earth. Understanding that, that Esther had that said, perhaps I'm here for such a moment as this. We don't serve a God of coincidence, we serve a God of providence, meaning you are not here in this moment, in this spiritual battle, in this time, in this culture, by accident or coincidence. But you are here because God, in His infinite wisdom, said, what I need for that generation is a Dave Fisher and a Kevin and a pet, I need you. So God placed you here in his infinite wisdom. We don't argue with him. We say, God, I'm here. I'm prepared. I'm ready for the battle, whether that is to be mobile 
or to be prepared for attacks with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, we are to be a voice of truth, a voice of truth with love, a voice of truth with gentleness, a, a voice of truth with respect, but not a voice of truth in silence. It doesn't work that way. Can you stand with me? Father, this morning we, we recognize that sometimes the combination of truth and love is a really hard thing. Some of us are really good at the truth part and not so good at the love. Some of us are really good at the love and not so much the truth. My prayer this morning is, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to find that balance. That when we see truth under attack, God, we, we will intervene. Lord, your word says that, that, that in those times, the Holy Spirit will give us the words to speak. And, and we lean on that this morning. If you have any questions about the outreach, you don't have to have any skills. So it's perfect for me on uh, 8 a.m. on Saturday. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, may God bless you.